Hello and welcome to Writing Threads, the podcast with Heather Westberg-King and Stephanie Wilson. We are having one of our pen pal conversations again this time, which happens when we cannot find a time in our lives to record together, so we each record when we can and talk to each other like we're writing letters. We hope you enjoy it. This time we're talking a lot about alcoholism, which came up because we talked with Maggie Ginsberg, the writer of Still True, and that's our last episode. If you missed it, you got to check it out. It tells the story of Maggie and I sharing a sobriety date by random twists of fate. It's pretty cool. And you'll learn more about Maggie's amazing new fiction book, Still True. For today, just listen to us banter back and forth with each other, learn a little more about my, I don't know, what is it, a journey, my walk, my road, my crash course in alcoholism, and uh, and next time we have a special guest, so stay tuned, stay with us, we love having you. Hi Heather. Well, here maybe I should say, Dear Heather, I have a lot on my mind. I feel like I have so many things I wish we could catch up on and talk about. I have been listening to a lot of great new-to-me podcasts and episodes that align with all of the things that we are always seeking and talking about. I also, you know, wanted to chat about the episode of last week with Maggie Ginsberg, um, who was on and due to technical difficulties, lots of technical difficulties, it ended up being just the two of you, um, talking about her new book, Still True, a novel that I've really been enjoying. And I guess I'll get right into that. I I honestly feel like I wasn't worthy to be on that episode anyway, so it really worked out in my mind because I feel like my lack of experience with alcohol and it being one of the things I was always afraid of way into adulthood um, is makes me feel like I'm just... I wouldn't be a benefit to your conversation. I really enjoyed listening to you talk, um, not just about sobriety and addiction or whatever, but that that was something that I wanted to chat with you both about. I, um, For me, I just wasn't experienced with alcohol. It was something I was afraid of. It wasn't around me. I didn't have family that drank in front of me at least. Um, didn't, that just wasn't an experience of mine. And maybe it was the church upbringing and everything. And we went to churches that, that just, you just don't do alcohol was just part of your faith. And so, um, and then also when I started experimenting with other things, I was, because of eating disorders and everything, never wanted to drink calories. So I stayed away from alcohol because of that mainly. Um, so I never really got into the partying mode. And honestly, I ended up, you know, really devoting myself back into the church when I was, you know, just turning 21, 22, and then had kids and was a whole other life. 
So um, my point of friends for someone who is an alcoholic for a long time was just like what we saw on TV as kids. Tom Hanks on that Family Ties episode where he's so desperate, he gets into their baking supplies and drinks their vanilla extract, which I think probably made me afraid I'd accidentally get drunk off vanilla extract for some time because I just, again, was clueless. Um, Or like Meg Ryan in When a Man Loves a Woman. I remember watching that movie and it being something I remember of a first time really learning about alcoholism, especially with a woman. It didn't seem like it was a common thing for women from my understanding. And, you know, her character hid vodka bottles in the linens and it seemed like she couldn't go a minute without drinking alcohol. So that was like my my frame of reference um and so way back when when you came out to me as an alcoholic I remember not having the awareness or skills to even be a good friend to you at that time now that I you know look back at it um I just didn't understand and I I wish I had known better and could have been a better support to you I think it's a big example of how sheltered I was from never being around even people drinking responsibly because I just wasn't around it at all, mostly. And I just, I worry I minimized when you came to me and told me about your decision to stop drinking. And I feel like I jumped to trying to make you feel better about it. And, oh, it's not that bad. Um, Heather, you're okay. And, you know, you're not Tom Hanks level or whatever, but what did I know? And, and it just, I've learned so much since then. And I mean, we all have things that we keep close to ourselves and don't even share with our close, close friends. We can be super deep people, but still have things we keep close to us. And so I have to remember that, you know, I didn't, I never suspected it with you at that time, but I also didn't even know what to look for. And I really, I, I guess maybe that even made me feel like I wasn't as there for you as I could have been. So anyway, all of that to say, um, I was curious if it was hard for Maggie as the writer and you as the reader to read the parts in Still True that wrote about uh, drinking and alcoholism. Um, When you read things like that in stories, especially with how descriptive Maggie writes and how beautifully her words just appear on the page, does does it make you feel relieved because that is behind you and you can just read that and be happy that you're not in that life or does it make you feel like you're reliving it and does that tempt you at all it's just something I was curious as I read it because it was so realistic and I wondered what that was like for you I'm just curious um, and then I also wanted to know what are some ways people like me who doesn't understand how can we understand and support our friends better when it comes to addiction? Like what are, I feel like we have a lot of areas that we just don't have the education or awareness in. And I also can see how confronting your challenges publicly can scare people away. Um, especially the people who aren't ready to confront their own challenges in life. And so when they see you do it, it's like a big reminder for what they need to do. And so they, push they close up or push away because you know people will be like oh that's contagious like kind of how I felt with divorce 
And I remember being that way on the other side of it when I saw people brave enough to confront their relationships and the struggles in it and maybe it wasn't working and move towards separation or divorce. I remember being afraid of that because I knew that's what I needed to face. And so I remember that making me scare, scared and maybe shying away from exposing myself to those examples that could have helped me and made me better. Um, and now I'm on this side of it and I have definitely seen people fall away and, you know, especially people that have confided in me, I know what it's like, you know, and then there's a lot of things I don't know that people aren't saying. And it's just kind of too much of a mirror. Anyway, those were, those were some deep, deep things that I was thinking about. I really wish I could have been on that episode with you all, but also felt like it just worked out the best way seemed right for you to, to have that conversation together. So I guess I will tell you a little bit about my week and maybe ask you some questions here that you can respond to me. Um, I don't even want to get into my week. I feel like, so today is the weekend and we, I felt like, oh, I need a change of scenery. We have these gorgeous waterfalls at Silver Falls here in Oregon that's only a little over an hour away from us. And I thought, oh, it'd be so great to go and see the fall foliage and see all the waterfalls and maybe just get out of here. We don't really go anywhere. And then I'm like, you know, gas is so expensive right now. It's probably the responsible thing to stay home. I want to make good choices. There's so much I could be doing here. I also am going to need to get new brakes in my car. So do I really want to, you know, indulge in the beautiful waterfalls right now? Or maybe I need, I just feel like, do I put it off and miss out on what I, could be a good experience? Or do we make the smart choice and stay home? We stayed home. I cleaned the kitchen instead, and actually I did like an awesome job on the fridge. It involved boiling hot water to get some major goo out and organized some cabinets. And and then I said, well, instead of waterfalls, we'll just enjoy the beautiful scenery, nature in our backyard. And, and honestly, there's been some amazing hummingbird activity going on, and it is Honestly, I believe hummingbirds, when they are in our presence, it feels like a supernatural force. So that was fulfilling. It It is equal to waterfalls to me, to be honest. Um, I've got some things that I've been reading and listening to, but maybe I should save that for the end because I think you're going to come in and respond if I haven't talked too long here. And... I um, am looking forward to hearing from you. Okay, bye. Dear Stephanie, so yeah, I um, responded in length <laughs> and then forgot to push the save button because that's how I roll. So I'm going to try it again. I, of course, won't remember what I said exactly, but um, I'm trying to, I wrote down some things that you asked, and I'm 
going to try to remember to answer them instead of just rambling on. But um, um, you were talking about Still True and Maggie and I and um, questions about, I don't know, alcoholism in general, basically. And I'll try to answer those um, as briefly as possible. It's a lot, obviously, and we can talk about it a lot of times in other episodes, too, to kind of um, say more about what I'll say today. But um, I, you asked a great question, which is what are some things that will help us understand addiction and support better? Um. I want to first of all say, you know, you apologized for feeling like you weren't very supportive when I quit drinking. And I I have no memory of you not being supportive or saying the wrong thing or um, disappearing or anything like that. I think, you know, announcing on the internet that you're an alcoholic and you're going to quit drinking that very day um, is kind of an unusual thing to do, especially back then. Um, and I think it took a lot of people by surprise. I heard a lot of, I had no idea. Um, <clears throat> forgive my voice. It's morning voice. Um, cause it's really early right now. But anyway, um, there were a lot of people, um, who, who didn't maybe understand, but still, you know, sent me emails or comments, um, just saying I'm rooting for you basically and I just kept telling the story and um what it felt like in the moment while I was in it and I think you know and I wouldn't necessarily start that process immediately into sobriety you know publicly writing about it if I had to do it over again but I think it saved me at the same time because I felt like I couldn't take it back after I publicly said it and that helped keep me sober. But um, I think to answer your question, it's like anything else that you don't live with, and you know, other people struggle with, and it's just educating yourself, you know, doing some reading about it, um, talking to people who um, are sober, usually, <clears throat> excuse me, usually sober people don't mind talking about it at all. And I've learned more from sober people um, than anyone anywhere uh, when it comes to just wisdom and an ability to reflect on why they were using the way they were using and um, especially people in a program of recovery, like it's a much deeper issue than just the drinking or the drugging or, you know, the thing itself, it is a, um, it is genetic. A lot of people don't understand that. It can be very much genetic. It doesn't have to be. Um, but it is a disease. And that is debatable by some people's opinions. And that's fine. They can think what they want to think. Um, but it's kind of nice to trust those of us who have actually lived it to tell you what it is and what it isn't. Um, and of course there are um, people in recovery who say that it's not a disease. Um, but I believe it's a disease. Um, 
anything that is harming you that you cannot stop doing. You cannot stop it from happening. Um, when I put alcohol into my body, my body requires more and more and more. That's different than how you process alcohol. And um, that to me means I have something. I don't have a moral problem. I don't have less self-control than other people. Um, my body makes it very hard to have self-control. Very hard. And I'm going to give you a super gross analogy, metaphor type thing that a friend of mine who's sober um, uses when people are critical of the active alcoholic or addict. They're like, why can't they just stop? They just need to just stop. They go to treatment. They'll be done. Um, and he'll say, have you ever had diarrhea? <laughs> Okay, so bear with me. And they're like, of course, everyone has. And he's like, okay, so when you need to go, you better go, right? Like there's no way you can make that feeling go away without having to go. And he says that's what it feels like. Um, your choice in the matter gets taken from you. And I would agree and laugh with him about that um, because I've lived it. It's like I would know that I know that I know that I could not drink or I was going to not be able to stop drinking. I would know that and think, okay, then I'm not going to drink tonight. And this is when the boys were small. A lot of the worst drinking was when the boys were really small and Elsie wasn't here yet. And um, I would just say, you know, in the morning or whatever, just like, oh, I'm not doing that again. <clears throat> and by four or five in the afternoon, I would find myself at the liquor store and not have really thought about going there. And I would think to myself, I feel like a robot. It was just like my body was in control and my mind had nothing to do with it. My heart had nothing to do with it. Um, it was very strange to live it, scary to live it because you wonder, what am I doing here? But I wouldn't even think, what am I doing here? While I was at the liquor store, I would think it again the next morning. Like, how did I end up doing that? I said I wasn't going to do that. It doesn't make any sense. So um, I hope that helps shed some light on um, some things you know, that could help people understand. And then um, I didn't, you know, Maggie's book still true with the alcoholism theme. I think it just made me feel grateful because Claire in the book is a, is an alcoholic mother who really struggles with her mind and shame and self-hatred. And I'm relieved not to be Claire anymore. Um, it's been almost 13 years and sometimes I forget how awful it felt and um, and just how stunted I was in my own evolution, my own maturing, my own growth. I mean, I feel like no matter what, we are always growing at least a little bit. That's just human nature. But we can really get in our own way. And I'm just glad that I'm not in my own way in that way anymore and that being sober 
means that when I'm in my own way in many other ways, I am able to reflect on it and not ignore it and not go robotic um, and just sit with it and then try to change it with the help of others and to talk about it. Like it's just a huge thing in sobriety is talking about anything, anything at all um, that makes you feel yucky and just getting it out and having the power taken from it and um, having it held so generously and gently by others who understand it. Um, I feel lucky. I feel lucky to live that and very little triggers me um, to crave alcohol anymore. So anybody who's listening who's freshly sober or thinking about getting sober and you know it's going to be hard just physically with craving and um, thinking about it, I can say it goes away. It takes some time. Some people it goes away really quickly, like just this relief um, like Maggie had. And if you didn't listen to that episode, it's the last episode with Maggie Ginsberg who wrote Still True. But Maggie had kind of an immediate... um, just relief of like, oh, I don't have to obsess about that anymore. I can take that out and there's space for so much more. And I did not have that experience. It was harder for me um, with the white knuckling time. Um, But I got through it with help and um, a lot of support. A lot of those people were our blogging friends. And um, yeah, so I would say you know, even in the worst of times, like with stress and fear and terrible things happening in my life, I don't think I got a drink. I just have a way of thinking that's different now. And I don't even go there. My brain doesn't remember to go there anymore. But if it does, because once an addict, always an addict, your brain will like to try to play tricks on you. But then I'll, you know, I kind of kick it around in my head like, yeah, that would take the edge off for a moment, but I know what will end up happening and it would be an ugly, ugly thing and it would hurt a lot of people, including me. So um, I hope that helps with some of what you were asking. Um, you did say you worried that you minimized um my alcoholism when I first got sober and I have absolutely no memory of that stuff. So don't worry. Don't worry your pretty little head. Um, and I'm just going to quickly tell you, I have obviously read still true, loved it, adored it. If people still haven't bought it, get on it. (laughs) You can get it from the university of Wisconsin press or Amazon. Um, and now I am reading Whiskey When We're Dry, ironically. That's funny. I just talked about alcoholism. But I've been meaning to read it for years, and I'm just at the very beginning, so I don't have much to say about it yet. But um, I'm digging right now because I think... Oh, it's right here on my lap. Okay, Whiskey When We're Dry is by John Larison, L-A-R-I-S-O-N. Won a lot of awards. Um, and I've just always heard it was good, so I wanted to dive into that one next. Um, it's fiction. So, and what I have been listening to, um, we'll have to have a long talk about the episode about rest, that we can do hard things 
episode about rest, I found it fascinating and inspiring. And rest as an act of resistance is one of the new mantras in my head. Um, Listeners, if you have not listened to that particular episode of We Can Do Hard Things, um, her name is Trisha something, I forget, but she's talking about rest and it is not the kind of thing that makes you feel like, yeah, 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 self-care, blah, blah. It is truly deep and meaningful and made me look at rest in a whole new way. And I love it. Um, and then what am I watching stuff? I haven't been watching a lot. I've been running a lot, but not physically, literally running with my feet. Just, you know, busy. Um, I should run with my feet. It would probably do me some good with my anxiety level and many other things. But I have been anxiously awaiting each episode of The Patient, the Steve Carell one. I think we've talked about it before. Um, Of course, it's dark and awful in many ways, um, but I find it fascinating, the writing fascinating with um, Steve Carell being in this awful situation and kind of how he has all these things bubble to the surface because he's no other choice. He's like at the end of himself and has hit some twisted rock bottom because of somebody else, but and it making him actually have some revelations about his responsibility in his relationships. And I just think it's uh, it's well done in that way. And it's well done in the way where you're like, what? is going to happen. How is he going to get out of this? And lastly, I think the whole thing with the bad man, the bad man who's a terrific actor, um, just his evolution and like his kind of growth, even though he's a serial killer, is kind of fascinating to me. I'd love to hear if you've still been watching it and what you think about what I'm trying to say because it's really difficult for me to explain what I'm trying to say. And I'm not saying, oh, yay, serial killer guy is growing up and he's going to become a good person because, no, it's also fascinating that, like, his, his, you know, just his inability to be rehabilitated. And um, I think people who are obsessively, compulsively doing such things it's uh I don't know maybe rehabilitation maybe I should believe in it maybe I should maybe I shouldn't maybe you should tell me what you think okay I'm gonna stop because I've been talking for 15 minutes straight all by myself but to you and I took up way more time and after you respond I'll be way shorter and then we'll put this out into the world and hopefully people appreciate our our uh pen pal type episodes. I hope. I love you. Have a good day. Heather, you are so lovely and kind. Thank you for answering my questions with such grace. I really appreciate it and feel like the way you described it and answered just makes sense to me and just make me love you more. And 
I feel like I've learned a lot over the years, but I realize, especially in this area, I have so much to learn. So thank you. Um, shouldn't be up to you to be a teacher like that, but I, you're so caring, and I know you writing about it was how you survived, but it also is because you're such a helper, and I appreciate that, and I know there's probably so many people out there that appreciate it that you'll, you won't even know the impact you've had. So thank you for that. Um, we were talking about that episode on We Can Do Hard Things. Um, it was episode, episode 139 from October 13th, titled No More Grind, How to Finally Rest with Trisha Hersey. Um, she wrote a book, Rest is Resistance, which uh, according to the, to the description, it says it's a call to action, a battle cry, a field guide, and a manifesto for all of us who are sleep deprived, searching for justice, and longing to be liberated from the oppressive grip of grind culture. Yes, yes, yes. I um, added that book to my cart in Audible. And I we probably could devote a whole episode about this. We've talked a lot about radical rest. <laughs> and But just the way this author talks about it in regards to capitalism and our society, I definitely, those things resonate with me big time because I feel trapped in that game right now. I feel trapped by the way society has been set up and it feels unfair and frustrating. And I feel like I am just working, working, working to barely make my rent, you know, like, it's like, what is all of this for? And I would, I'm determined to get out of it. Right now, I did actually pick back up with my real estate classes. It's been so busy that I haven't been able to do my classes and take my tests. So that's been on hold. And I um, got really motivated to start that up again. And I like opened the where I left off was at a 50 question exam that I went ahead and was like, okay, I'm just going to go for it and try it. And I passed on the first time this happened yesterday. And I am really happy that happened because it's a long course. A lot of people don't pass these tests in the beginning. And so it was more motivation for me to keep going and bettering myself. Um, there's so much, you know, that exhausts us and we do need that rest. And also I'm raising kids that are already well aware of what society is trying to tell them is how life is going to be. And they are resisting that right now, which is hard because they, you know, I have one that is basically choosing to go the GED route instead of finishing school and high school. And that is a really hard, hard thing for me to be going through right now, just because I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. But also I just don't like how anything is set up and, and the way some kids learn is different than others. And the hoops they have to jump through are often unnecessary for certain kids. So I have a lot to say about that. And all of this is just basically always swirling around in my brain. Um, 
I also have lots of thoughts about burnout and like I feel like I had major burnout and did, you know, a lot of things to help myself get, you know, healed up from that. But I feel like I want to figure out how long burnout should last, you know, or can last because I feel like we can't erase the effects of it or rewind time. That would be my choice in life if we could just rewind, Um, but it's not possible. So me trying to make it a positive, I think, well, I can literally burn up the life that's not working and start new. And so I kind of think of it like that, but you have to have energy to do that. So that's really hard. And I wish I could remember this whole wanting to start new and fresh. I I wish I could remember it when I'm in the middle of a painful burning up period and have that knowledge of the promise of fresh starts ahead. So that's like my positive spin on burnout right now because I could see myself grinding and burning up right now. The amount of things I get done from the moment I open my eyes really early in the morning until I finally get to go to bed at night is probably not re- not recommended for humans. Single mom life is it sucks. It definitely like I said, I'm on the better side of hard. However, in this system, it's just really hard for me to see where a future, you know, anything in front of anything that's not directly in front of me right now. It's really hard for me to picture um, going at this rate. Um, and I, I don't know. I just need to get stronger, keep moving along so that each time I, f- I see that burnout happening, I can do my best to avoid it, learn from past mistakes. We'll get there. Similarly, I came across the Anxious Achiever podcast because Jill Smokler was a guest and she shared it on Instagram, which I love when people share about podcast episodes on Instagram, that's going to be probably the place that I see the these things being shared the most. And I love it when people recommend other episodes or podcasts because I'm always looking for something new. The Anxious Achiever podcast recently had on Jill, who a lot of people know formally as Scary Mommy. On this episode, she actually talks about the regret she has from, maybe a little bit of regret she had from selling her company, Scary Mommy. It was a good thing until it wasn't. And according to Jill, and she says something that I stopped and wrote down, actually. She says, I think we make not the wisest decisions when we are exhausted and can't see the light and just need to get out of the darkness that we're in. And that felt so familiar and true for me. We sometimes make really bad decisions when we're exhausted, um, but it is that survival mode we're in. So we just need to get out of it. And so at least we made a decision. Um, we're doing the best with what we have at the time. But if we can keep ourselves from getting to that burnout, to that exhaustion, to that point where our decision making isn't as great, 
you know, if we can redirect, change course, stay in the healing and avoid being forced to make a decision we're not ready for or capable of making as our best selves, that's the ideal. That really has me thinking a lot about that right now is that I'm not going to hold it against me, the choices that I made when I was in extreme exhaustion or hurt or whatever, because I was doing the best I could at that time. But my goal now is to make it so that I'm not getting myself to that point. Um, anyway, also, I must say that Jill Smogler, formerly Scary Mummy, has a podcast called She's Got Issues. And I listened to that Next, I listened to the friendship episode um, about friendship breakups, accepting when a friendship is over. I think that is a great subject. I have personal experience in that in many ways that I have felt bad about, that I felt good about. Um, So that was fun. And it was just really fun to like kind of stumble upon this chain of like podcasts to connect another podcast. Um, So, you know, we're all about podcasts. Um, and a lot of people just talking about the same, we're all, we're all exhausted and we all want to be being our best selves and making our best decisions. Okay. So now I also, I don't know how I have been able to manage to get a lot done and also watch some stuff. So I think that's because I'm so exhausted that the only thing I can do is put on the TV and zone out and it does allow my brain to just focus on the show. So I watched The Bling Ring Hollywood Heist on Netflix. It's three episodes. It's kind of like a documentary. I don't think they're super long episodes, but it would probably equal like a little bit of a long documentary. Um, I remember when these kids got caught in the 2000, you know, late 2008s, 9s, 10s. I don't remember. I was probably nursing a baby during that time. I watched a lot of E! Network and they were, you know, stealing from celebrities and they had this whole, whole ring that they were doing. And so, and I had watched, there was a movie about it too that starred Emma Watson. I saw that, but this documentary basically shares what really happened um, from the people who are there, even some of the celebrities affected. I found it interesting, very appalling because of the attitudes of these kids who are now adults, uh, the attitudes of like some of the parents here. Um, so it was very interesting to me. And then I w- listened to episode 106 of True Story with Tig and Cheryl. That's a podcast I love where they discuss this very episode. So I watched it and then the next day they had that on and I listened and I just laughed. They are super silly and uh, it was just fun to watch that and then hear their discussion. I am reading, let's see, I read All Good People Here by Ashley Flowers on Audible. It's the first fiction novel I've ever listened to with Audible. Usually I only do nonfiction or memoirs, things like that. So it it was a good experience. It was a good, very good book. If you love true crime, it's not true, but it's like very based on some true crime stories that you'll be very familiar with. And it definitely kept me guessing. I 
I could see where the ending was going and I was starting to get a little checked out because I was thinking, oh, this is not ending how I would do it. I could write a, a whole different way of ending it. However, then there's some more twists. So it it resolves and I think I made a, a judgment on it a little bit too soon. So that was All Good People Here by Ashley Flowers. And I think she actually is from the podcast Crime Junkie. I don't listen to that podcast, but I think she's on that podcast and then wrote this book. I could be wrong. Um, what else? Oh, and then I just found the podcast Cheers to Leaving. It is um, an evangelical podcast. So it's for those of us who have... Um, left Christianity or are, you know, grew up in that lifestyle. And they're, I just found it. Their most recent episode was a perfect starter one for me. In my opinion, it was episode 46 titled Hot Takes, where they rant about evangelical practices and other weird shit, including purity culture, Christian music, people who read the Bible in one year, VBS, all the things that we talk about a lot but they are like way more dark. And like when I mentioned that I worried I sound bitter, (laughs) I don't. (laughs) If you listen to this, it is, it is like us, but like way harder and not as gentle with our talk. Um, And they even have a Facebook evangelical support group, a private group on Facebook, which I requested to join and I got denied. And then I, it was like immediately denied. So I don't know if I answered the questions wrong. So I tried to join it again. I don't know if they'll accept me. Um, and then, yes, I am still watching The Patient. Those episodes do not come out fast enough. We are really enjoying it. It is, it's, it's still keeping me guessing. I think I wish that we would be at a a better spot than we are since the latest episode. Like, I don't know where it's going to go. I really hope it has a good ending. I don't even know what that ending would look like. So it's fun to just watch something that you you don't know how this is going to go. And the I feel like this show is almost like a way to reach viewers and secretly do therapy on the viewers or like like drop in things from therapy that people should be considering or thinking about in their own lives so it's it's very therapeutic to watch in a very strange way I still haven't really figured it all out yet of why I feel that way but like I had said before it's a great companion piece to if you are daring to watch the the Dahmer series on Netflix, which I know is very controversial. We have been watching it, but very slowly. And it's where we watch an episode and then are like, are we still going to watch the show? And we'll wait several days, maybe longer until we're even ready to watch the next one. And so right now we're at that point, we have watched six episodes and we're not sure if we're going to continue. It's just really hard to watch it. And I have to like super regulate my emotions if I'm going to watch it. And it's, it's heavy, but the patient 
is an interesting thing to watch in the meantime because I'm like, oh, I wonder if these things had happened or this had been in place, could this serial killer have been stopped? Could they have been helped? Could, you know, all sorts of questions. Um, I don't really want to end this on such a dark note, but that is just what it is. And I am, I'm looking forward to um, when we can have our podcast together again, but this has been really great for me with how busy we've all been um, to just record my thoughts this way. And um, I miss you and I hope you're having a good week. Okay, bye. Oh, Stephanie, I just adore you. Thank you for updating me and us, the people listening. Um, There's so much going on all the time. You're right. The grind is hard. Burnout is hard. Making decisions from a place of exhaustion is such a thing. And um, I'll have to listen to that episode with Jill Smokler. I love her dearly. And it kind of coincides with our push for people to listen to the episode about rest and stopping the grind on We Can Do Hard Things that you gave all the information for. Because I love the part about that episode that rest is the only place you can make good decisions is basically what they're saying. Um, And if we don't take even five minutes to just sit and close our eyes, um, we miss out on where our creative self comes alive and our imagination comes alive and that fits in with what you're saying about hope for the future and getting out of the place where it's always a grind it's hard to imagine it and they talk about that a lot in that episode and I really appreciated her take on you know her family and generations of slavery and how Rest was resistance for them because they were just worked and worked and worked and they could only imagine their way to a better future in those moments of rest. And I think that's true of all of us. I think that's something we are meant to learn from this wonderful person. Um, And I want to read her book too, Rest as Resistance, Um, because I don't want to keep feeding the cycle either. And I think it's really important work, really powerful. And um, hang in there, hang in there, sister, because it's hard and we get stuck in it because it's, it's like the systems are built that way to keep us stuck, struggling, grinding, having a hard time paying for things, especially as a single mother, Steph, um, what you do accomplish in a day is really amazing. I have been in the thick of it without a partner and now with a partner. And um, I think people often assume that if we have partners now, we're out of that particular grind of single motherhood. Um, Or even if we have a a co-parenting partner that is pulling the weight along with us, it's still just a different kind of grind. Um, And that was a choice that I think we both made in a right way, um, maybe 
for me, not exactly how it all went down. I, I think it really resonated with me what you were saying about Jill speaking to that in selling her company that just the fatigue and you're just like, I just got to pull the trigger on something. And for me, it was a long-term grief and agony that then I made decisions to leave the marriage in a really impulsive way, um, in a sense. And I do forgive myself for that because of where I was with what I knew and what I had left in me to do anything in the best possible way. I mean, I'm sure there's a best possible way to do hard things, but we can't always live that out when we're just running into walls in some sort of maze. So I appreciated that. Thank you so much, Steph. And um, I love hearing what you're reading, what you're listening to, what you're watching. Um, I get such a kick out of you. You're just, I keep calling you adorable, and I hope that's not annoying, but you really are just this precious, I, I don't know, I just cherish our relationship and I learn a lot from you and I love how honest you are and I think people who listen to this podcast would totally agree with that. So yeah, let's hang in there together, keep talking to each other, get back on at the same time. Just to let everyone know, I'm in the process of working on improving the technical aspects of this podcast because of how the audio is often weird and we're just using this app and talking into our phones and half the time people have no idea what a struggle it was <laughs> to get both of us on and not keep disconnecting and then have weird echoes and garbling and it's just not working it's been so simple and so nice and now like 33 episodes in um, I'm going to get some help with making that better. And yeah, that's exciting. Okay. Now, now I'm going to go home. I'm sitting in my car outside the bookstore. And I'm going to go home and put Elsie to bed and go watch something. I've been watching The Handmaid's Tale still. Um, I had some catching up to do and then the new season came. Um, and that's getting very exciting. So I love you. I hope you're having a great week, and we'll record something again this weekend. Take care. Bye. That's it for today's episode of Writing Threads, friends. We hope you'll come back next time. We have plans to speak with a special person. And sometimes I don't even like to say who the special people are in case something comes up for them or for us and we can't record and then we're lying. So um, just know we're going to have another fantastic, real, honest conversation with a lovely human being. And if not next week, then it'll happen sometime. We love doing this. We love being with you. If you love it too, please rate and review the podcast wherever you listen, or even just rate it. You don't have to type stuff out. Or spread the word. Tell your friends. Share it on Facebook. Do something like that. That'd be great, because we like talking to people. All right, have a good day. We love you.